demonstrated no shame in their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So, Father, we glorify you on their behalf, Father. Give you all the glory for all the good that will come forth from this day that they publicly acknowledge that you are the Lord of their lives. And so, Father, bless this service today in every aspect of it. And all the good that will come from it, you'll get all the glory. In Jesus' name, everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Praise God. Torah with me to Romans chapter 8, which is our foundation text for the blessing of answered prayer. While you're turning there, I want to read a praise report. Uh, as I'm committed to do, I've got a backlog of them, so I'll be able to read them as long as we're in this series. And so I want to read this one to you. I believe it'll be a great blessing to your life. I believe that if we're praying, we should see answers to our prayers. I also believe that we shouldn't spend 21 days and not see any results should see results from what we present before the Father, okay? This one is another good one. It says, Dear Pastor G, I guess I better get straight to the point. I was going through all of my tax documents from 2015, all of the envelopes read, important tax information enclosed. In the window of one of the envelopes, it said, General Motors Financial Company, Inc. I was confused because I never financed anything from General Motors. So I proceeded to open it, and it was a form 1099-C. The creditor's name was AmeriCredit Financial Services, Inc. On the right side in bold letters read, Cancellation of Debt. I continued to read and saw that it was my car loan. The amount of debt that has been discharged to your account is $4,565.29. Come on, you... You better rejoice so you can get in that line right there. It's a blessing, okay? Supernatural debt cancellation, right? This person did what I would have done. You follow up to make sure this is accurate. How many of you don't want to bill on the back end saying that they made a mistake? So you follow up, you make sure that it's accurate. But once they say that it's accurate, how many of you need to go ahead and drive your new debt-free car in Jesus' name, right? But, but here's the part I want to key on because it's an important point in our message today. Listen to what this person, now you've heard me read at least three or four of these and you hear this same ending at all of them. Listen to this. Of course, I was in shock at the moment, listen, because things like this hardly ever happened to me. Sounds humble, but really not the way we're supposed to be as believers. If you never believe that that's supposed to happen to you, it never happens. But if you believe it's supposed to happen, it happens all the time. All right, we're going to talk about that today a little bit, okay? Go to Romans chapter 8. And because what I'm getting ready to share today I've never shared before, I submit this to the front row to be judged. Anyone else in this building, judge what you're getting ready to hear. But judge it by the Word of God, okay? Because I believe it's that profound It has revolutionized my life and really taken me to a whole nother level. Romans chapter 8, let's read verses 1 and verse 2. It came from a question uh, that I was emailed. And I'm a firm believer that if one person emails something, there are many others that are thinking the same way. And the nature of the email was, was pretty much this. I guess I made a statement about there's no condemnation and God doesn't condemn us. So the question was along these lines, and I won't tell you, 
in case you try to figure something out, but it's along the lines, you mean to tell me, Pastor, if I've done this, then God won't condemn me? And you know, I said, that's exactly right. If you've done that, God won't condemn you. And so it kind of led me to believe that the person probably done something along those lines and they won't forgive themselves because of what they've done and they can't move forward in the things of God, okay? So I'm going to show you something today that not only answers that question, but I believe will free up everyone in this room today. Romans chapter 8 verses 1 and 2 says, there is therefore now, somebody say now. Okay, now means right now, right? Not tomorrow, not next week. Now means when? Right now. So we're talking about a constant state of living in the now and in the moment, right? It says there is therefore now no condemnation, no adverse sentence or judgment to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And walk according to the flesh means to tread all around in, walk at large, to be occupied with. The flesh is that which is external or to be carnally minded. This is someone that lives their life because of their thinking outside of the will of God. I know there are very few people that attend church that act that way. There are few, but very few, right? Typically, you're here today because you love God. You want to grow. You want to, you know, you, like, you enjoy the things of God. You're not intentionally out here trying to hurt God or people, right? So it's really not referring to most people that are present uh, in this room today. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And so we know in the Old Testament, he set before them blessings and curses, and he chose to, told them to choose blessings or choose life, right? And, and those things were built in the earth. And so when they obeyed God, it released all of the blessings that were already in the earth they were already present. It released that to them as they obeyed God according to Deuteronomy chapter 28. But when they disobeyed God, then it also released the other things that were already in the earth. So they couldn't say God did that to them. That's really what they wanted when they chose to go outside of the will of God. Well, in the New Testament, it's the same thing. There are two laws. There's the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus. And every time I obey God, by faith, now, how I many know it releases what's already in the earth for me, right? But it's already here. God has already blessed me. And it's no different than when I operate outside of that. How I many know it releases the consequences of that that are already in the earth? So I can't say God did this to me. Why did he let that happen? I mean, there's something that ignited that. The scripture says the curse causeless shall not come. So there has to be a foundation for blessings, but there also has to be a foundation when other things show up in our lives. And so, if you would, I want to use a scripture to really explain the question that that person emailed to me. So, if you would, go with me to John chapter uh, 10, I believe it is. John chapter 10. This will need to be judged. I'm sorry, John chapter 8. This will need to be judged. John chapter 8. Somebody say, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus right now if I'm in Christ Jesus. All right, let's look at a story here in John chapter 8. 
says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. This is nowhere in your notes, so add this to whatever you've been taking up to this point. It says here, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, now hold on. Just a side nugget here. How did you catch her in the act? And in the very act means you saw her doing it or you were doing it with her. What were you doing? Peeking through the windows? Did you have a telescope? How did you catch her in the very act? What you learn is, most cases, the very things people judge other people about are the things that they're struggling with. So then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. When they set her in the midst, they said uh, to him, uh, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, religious people always want to use the word to condemn you. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something to accuse him of. So again, when I'm guilty, how many of you know I like to bring other people down with me? So it also gives some insight to the background as to how they caught the woman. So this was probably premeditated and set up. All right, stay with me. So they have no desire to know the truth, only to trap him and trick him into something that they can condemn him about. This woman should be stoned. What do you say? Then they said, testing him, that he might have something to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. So in other words, he's ignoring them. So when they continued asking him, so they're pressing the issue now, he raised himself up and said, he who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Those who uh, wrote on the ground, stooped down, wrote on the ground, then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience, notice, see, they have a sin consciousness. And when you have a, a, a grace consciousness and a, a, a life consciousness, you're not thinking like this. All right, stay with me today. So notice, even though I'm sure he knows who they are and what they've done, he's not the one even condemning them. That's why it makes the point to say they're conscious. Can everyone see that? All right, watch this now. So they being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. Now, we're all adults in here, which would also lead me to believe that they all were part of this situation. This was some kind of group something. I mean, if I had nothing to do with that, there's no need for me to walk out. especially if my heart's not condemning me or my conscience. 
All right. You all still with me? All right. This is an answer to the lady that sent in the email. Watch this now. When Jesus had raised himself up from riding on the, in the dirt, he saw no one but the woman. Watch this now. And he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Now, he only asked her a question because he has to get her to say what she needs to say so that she can move forward with her life. So he turns around and he asks her the question, has no one condemned you? She had to say, no one has condemned me, Lord. And look at his responses. Once you get a revelation of that, then listen to his response. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So he wasn't dealing with her based off of that, was he? Okay, let's go a little slower, though. I'm going to show you how people are. All right, show you the difference between people and God. All right? Notice what Jesus said to her. He said to her, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. This is how people are going to treat you. When you stop doing that, then I won't condemn you no more. And we want to hold people in prison that when you change your behavior, then I'll do something for you. But in the kingdom of God, that's not the way this works. I've already done something for you, and that'll help you change your behavior. So by him telling her she wasn't condemned, she could walk away free from sin. Can, Can you all see that? Well, how do we know she walked away free from sin? God would be an unrighteous judge to put this story in here if she left there and went right back to sin. So this is a woman who walked free from this because she got a revelation that she was not condemned. When you know that God isn't condemning you, now your focus is not on what you did wrong. Your focus is on how good he is that he wouldn't even condemn you in spite of what you've done. Oh, man, come on. I wish I had a little help in here today. And this is such, it's so much freedom in this. You know, I had the privilege of of seeing Bishop Butler for the first time since all of these events took place. And let me tell you, man, man, my heart was just so full to see him. It really was. And there was such a deep sense of appreciation and me being thankful for all that he's done for me. And then I was sitting there realizing that the greatest gift he had given me was the gift of no condemnation. And it's a freedom to that. Do you understand? To be able to sit in front of people knowing that your heart is clear and that God is on your side. Come on, somebody. And that there's nothing no man can do to you in this earth to stop what God wants to do with and for you. And when you get your focus off of people and you get your focus on God, I spent two years going through nothing if I would have just had this revelation two years ago. Are you still with me out there? That God loves me, period. Hallelujah. Let me show it to you another way. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. So you see the way people treat you. When you change this, then I'll treat you better. God is not that way. God said, I treat you good so that you can change that. See what he told her? She's caught in the act of adultery. 
Might have even been a group situation. Nothing changed, folks. That's horrible. How many know a lot of people will never overcome something like that? And they'll beat themselves up for the rest of their lives. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. I did this. I did that. He said to her, there's no one here to condemn you, but he needed her to say it. He needed her to say with her mouth, no one condemns me. Then he could release to her because he knew she got it. Then I don't condemn you either. He didn't say to her, if you don't sin anymore, then I won't condemn you. He said, I don't condemn you either. Now go and sin no more with that understanding. Okay, go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm growing, Emmanuel. Another person. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 12. I'm going to show you something. It's going to take faith for you to listen to this, okay? It'll take faith, and this needs to be judged, okay? And I'm not afraid of it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, for how long? For how long? Forever. Sat down on the right hand of God. Drop down to verse 14. For by one offering hath he perfected forever. How long? How long? So I'm forever forgiven and I'm forever perfected. You're not ready. Them that are set apart. I want you to listen to me and please judge this. Please do. Okay? I would if I was sitting here listening to it. But don't judge it and don't go study it for yourself. You can't judge it if you're not willing to study it for yourself. So don't, have, don't send me no questions if you don't study this. Amen. Don't send unlearned questions. Study it and send a question. All right, watch this. So I'm going to say something now. These are some powerful statements. Okay? God sees you with no flaw. No spot. And no imperfection. I'm not trying to get perfect. I'm perfect right now. Set me free, folks. Change my prayer life. Listen to this. Can I say it's a bold statement? So you only honor God in his word. The finished work of his son by saying amen and never doubting your perfection that he gave you in him. Okay? I'm going to say something else. Very strong statement. What I'm getting ready to say to you. Very strong. Very bold statement. Listen to me. To see yourself as being far from perfect is not humility and it is not being modest. But it is a failure to understand the perfect sacrifice that Jesus has made for you to make you perfect. Total misunderstanding of what's been provided for you. I want you to listen to me. 
I'm not perfect because of anything I've done. I don't have far to look back to know that. I can just look back over the weekend to know I'm not perfect. I stand here perfect because of what he did. And he perfected that forever. And it cannot be improved on based on anything that I do down here on the earth. It is perfect all by itself because I didn't do anything to earn it and I can't do anything to keep it but receive it by saying amen. So to see yourself any, as anything less than that, it's not humility. It's not you being modest. You have totally misunderstood the perfection that he's provided for you in Christ Jesus, and it should give you confidence and boldness to live this life in a way that you know that regardless of what comes at me, a thousand can fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not come near me. Why? Because the Lord is on my side, and there's nothing that man can do to me. That's why it was so liberating being in his presence because I used to be fearful in his presence. And I know that's not God. But I was free, Ray. Do you understand? It's free. Now, if I could have got to him, Jennifer, I would have hugged him and kissed him on his forehead and said, man, you don't know how much you've done for me, and I will be forever grateful for it and mean that from my heart. Because if nothing else, you know what he gave me? The gift of no condemnation. That was the one hurdle I had to get over to finish what God's called me to do. So listen to me, folks. If if people are still bothering you, you, you need to grow. And anything that people do to you or what you think they've done to you or what you perceive, you need to grow. You need to understand there's nothing anyone can do to you but give you an opportunity (laughs) to demonstrate how good God is. So all they can do is give you an opportunity. And I'm going to show you that in the Word of God today. You all can judge that, okay? You can judge that. But I believe it's clear in the Word of God. My sin has been forever dealt with, and my perfection has been forever dealt with. Forever. 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 All right, now. I mean, I know I can get the altar call right there, and we can go home. And we already got enough today. None of that was connected to my message. That was just an a email that came in. Just an email that came in. God is good. It's Black History Month. Eyes be a free man. <laughs> Listen, man, you can talk about me till you blue in the face, and it, it will mean nothing to me. It's just a compliment that I'm taking up that much space in your head. Come on, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. I'd be a free man. 
the gift of no condemnation. Now, because I took the time to do that, let me just go right to where I left off last week, okay? Can we do that? That's why we have SoundCloud, right? So if you want to catch up, go back and listen to SoundCloud. Pick up right here, okay? We know that there are seven spiritual laws that prayer operates by. Not laws in terms of I got to follow this to get God to do something. These are just things that are in the earth that when we obey them by faith, they release what we already possess. Did you hear how I said that? So I'm not trying to get something. I already have it. When I operate, I activate that. See, my faith activates what grace has already provided. All right? Now, number one, we learned you have to ask, right? So God does nothing in the earth unless we what? So important, okay? But then number two, we're talking about you've got to ask how. Is that a magic wand? No, not at all, right? There's something there. Jesus said, I did not come to do away with the law. I came to what? Fulfill. So we learned that Old Testament patriarchs would go to the Father in the name of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And what going to the Father in the name of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would do was remind the Father of his covenant promises that he made to those individuals. So when Moses, Abraham, David went to God, how many know they could not go to God on their own merit? Right? So you can see it was a foreshadow of what was to come through grace. Right? They couldn't go to him on their own. And I didn't share this with you all on last week, but, but let me just put this in there. You remember Moses in Exodus chapter 32 when uh, he had delivered the children of Israel and he went up in the mount to get the Ten Commandments? While he was up there, right, because he was called to be a deliverer, while he was up there for 40 days, the people were down there partying. And that... that that kindled God's anger. And God said, I'm going to destroy all of them. And God went to him and he said, remember your promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And the surrounding nations and kings will say that you brought the people out to destroy them. And the scripture says that God relented from that. Well, let's back up earlier in Moses' life. So I'm going to show you again. This is Old Testament is types and shadows that they're pointing to you to what's to come. So Moses, at the age of 40, was still called to be a deliverer. I mean, when we get ahead of God's timing, we mess stuff up. It's almost like even marrying somebody because you rushed into it. I mean, a lot of people wish they could reverse that one right there and just say, Woo, Jesus, I wish I would have slowed that down a little bit, right? A lot of people are like that. Not in this room. I'm talking about out there in the world. All right? But here's my point. I pray that you listen very carefully. Earlier in Moses' life, 40 years earlier, he tried to do this deliverance on his own merit. And so here he was, a prince in Egypt, and he goes out and one of the soldiers is beating on the Hebrews. Who are his brothers? And he knows what he's called to do. He knows who he is. And so he got ahead of God right, and snatched up the Egyptian soldier who was beating the Hebrew slave, and he murdered him. Then he tried to hide the slave, the, uh, the, the uh, soldier, uh, uh, and, and act like nothing happened. But the next day when he showed up, one of the other soldiers says, yeah, you might kill me just like you killed that soldier. And he knew right then that it had been known. And so he had to flee Egypt, and listen to this. Trying to do something on his own merit cost him 40 years of his life. Didn't take away his calling, did it? Because the gifts and callings are without repentance. 
But he would have got there a lot sooner if he didn't try to do it on his own merit. Isn't that good? All right. The example I shared with you all about this building, I'm trying to make sure you all understand. Here we have an international speaker coming in, and I was just with a group of pastors. They were all like, man, we called and tried to get him. We couldn't get him. I called and tried to get him too. I said, we called the first time and got him. Folks, favor is not fair, but I'll take it every single time. And what I was trying to teach you all that, see, see, what I thought was I had to get us a building. So call this, call that, check here. I'm calling places. I'm getting ready to cost this church $30,000 plus on my merit. Studying this made me pull back and say, hold on, God. You wouldn't have booked him, confirmed him, someone on that level, and there's not a building out here. Now, I'm going to go ahead and share with you. I already shared it with the Thursday night crowd, but this will help you understand the magnitude of what God did. So he told me to call. When I first came to this building and they agreed to let us use it, this building, West End, when I first came here, they, the, the elders, deacons, leadership board, all of them had me in that back room. And they said, you cannot use this building ever, and it's in the contract, on Friday nights from 6 p.m. beginning at 6 p.m. to Saturday at 6 p.m. because that's our Sabbath. Then they went down a list of foods that we could never bring in this building. Can't bring no pork in here. Amen. So if you snuck it in your purse, walk out right now. What's those pork rings called? Those pork, what are those things you used to eat when you were a kid? With a little hot sauce on them. You still eat them. What are, what are those, London? London, what are those? You still eat those. What are, pork rinds. You all remember those pork rinds right there? If you got them in your purse, take them out right now. Take them outside. But, but, but anyway, they, they went down a list of things we can never do here. One of them was not use this building. So when I'm in prayer, the Lord told me to call Pastor Preston. Ask him if you could use this building and say this to him. So me, I already know what the contract said. He already said no. Why would I make that call? Now I'm disrespecting the guy. How I many know God is unconventional? Right? So I called him, and I said to him what the Lord told me to say. He was happy. Number one, he was excited about the speaker. He said, you got who? I said, yeah, we got him. And uh, so he said, give me a weekend to work on this. I'll get back to you by Monday. By Monday, he calls and says, you got it, and it won't cost you nothing. You, you can't get a better situation than a building that you already use, and it really can't be better when it's free. And I'm telling you, you can show up here late on that night, but you won't get in here with who's coming to this building. God is good. How many of y'all are glad you came today? I haven't even gotten to the message yet. So, we know it went through all of those things. We left off talking about Jesus clearly stating that we don't pray to him. We have to ask the Father in what? Jesus' name, right? And so even when you just say, Jesus, don't do stuff like that because that's not an appropriate prayer. You must always address your prayer to the Father in the name of Jesus. Don't say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, Jesus, can you do that? No, it's a wrong prayer. Heart is right, or, or head is right, heart, well, whichever way. It's wrong. 
right? We've got to pray to the Father in Jesus' name. We looked at John 14, 13. Biggest thing I want to pull out from that, he says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Now, all of my understanding growing up, we know that word name there is unima, uh, authority or character. So I used to think you had to learn about the authority of the believer, and I needed to develop my character to look like the character of Christ. And once I understood my authority and my character looked like his character, then I could get him to do something. Now I understand through the grace message, that's not what he's referring to here or this dispensation that we live in. I'm only going to God using the authority that Christ has. And I'm going to God using his character, not mine. You all see the difference? Because I don't care how hard I try, mine will never measure up to what it needs to be to approach a holy throne room. Can you all see that? He said, when you understand that, anything that you ask the Father, that will I do. When you use my authority and you go on the basis of my character and not yours. That's why we don't want to go to God with our merit. I do this, I did that, I tie, I, 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 I. Don't do that, right? Don't even do your boss like that, what you do. It's not bigger than what everybody else does. Everybody doing stuff. See, it's really an indication of your pride. And pride always goes before what? But if you humble yourself, then you'll be what? See, humbling yourself means, Jesus, you're good. And Father, you love me because of what Jesus did. See the difference? All right, and then we looked at John 16, 16, John 16, 23, and 25. Now, let's pick up right from here with all new information. Just give me 20, 25 minutes or so of your undivided attention. Can you all do that? All right, listen today. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 7. And, man, I was just so excited learning this. Uh, it's just blessed me so much. You know, Christ is our heavenly high priest. And we know that, again, you know, I've done it. I've been guilty. I used to teach that, that Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father, right? And he's done working. It's finished. He's done, and he's seated, right? I used to teach that. I only had partial truth. I taught that because I heard other people teach it. But it's amazing that when you go study stuff for yourself, you learn a whole lot more. All right? And so how many of y'all have ever heard a pastor or somebody say that? Christ is seated and he's done working. All right? And that's 50% true, but it's only partial truth. He's actually doing something today that he's doing forever. So he is seated, right? But he's also standing. Okay? We're going to talk about both aspects of that. That's the only point I want to get in today. I'm going to take my time. And I'm going to go real slow because I want this church to get more answers to prayer than anybody else in the world. Not in comparison to anyone else, but I want people to see what an open heaven looks like. Everybody in that. I want CNN. We're right here where they're at anyway. Everybody in that church blessed. Everyone has a job in that church. And one day I'm believing God, everyone will be debt free in this church. Let me see if there's a little bit more faith on this side of the room. I'm believing, man, 100% of our members will be gainfully employed, successful businesses. Everything about us, it just works. All of us are debt-free. We owe no man nothing but the lover. 
Why not go for it, man? If, if you're going to live, why not try to live at the highest level? Am, am, am I right about that, big fella? Am I right about that? You look awful sharp today, boy. You look like a million dollars. Don't look around. You, right there. You look sharp today. My man, all right? Hebrews chapter 7, let's begin reading at verse 20. It says, Inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath or a promise, for they have become priests without an oath. But he with an oath by him who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever. There's that word again according to the order of Melchizedek. What was the order of Melchizedek? Melchizedek had no recorded father, and he had no recorded father. He had no beginning, and he had no ending. So he always was, and he always is, which is why Jesus is our priest or high priest forever, okay? Watch this now. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. We're going to talk about what makes it better. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. Well, what prevented them? It was twofold. Some just died because of age. Then there were others that died because of sin. They went into the Holy of Holies, did not live up to the standard, and dropped dead as a result of that. But he, Jesus, continues how long? forever and has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save. This word save here means to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve, to cause, to do well, and to make whole to the uttermost. Uttermost means full ending entirely and completely. Watch this very closely. You must understand that your high priest is able to deliver you from anything, save you from anything, heal you from anything, protect you from anything, and cause you to prosper and be made whole in every area of your life. And he's not only able to do it, he's able to do it to the uttermost. And he won't stop until his assignment is complete in your life and your life looks just like his did, where you are prospering spirit, soul, and body. But watch this, folks. I've been reading this for years and never saw the back end of this. He's able to say those who come to God through him. Did you catch that? So it's not for everybody. It's only for those that come to the Father through him. So if you understand what he's saying, there's no other way to get to the Father. I know there are many religions, many roads that lead to God. Well, let's go to those tombs. You're going to find the bones in those graveyards. But if you go to the tomb where Jesus lay, he's not there, folks. And it's because he lives, we live. So did you see what he said there? He's only able to do that for those who come to God through him. Well, what is he referring to? Prayer. You see that? Same thing, isn't it? about those that have come to God through him, through prayer. Those are the ones he's able to deliver, heal, preserve, make whole, cause to do well in its entirety. And he won't stop until his work is complete in your life. Watch this. Since he always, and I want you to see this, always means forever, doesn't it? Always lives to make intercessions for them. 
Okay, so now remember everything that we're saying because I need to go slow right here. We read he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, right? He is seated. And that part of his work is finished. But what part is that? Our redemption from sin and the forgiveness of our sins. So the blood is at the mercy seat because his redemptive work is complete. But how many know his priestly work is still going on? Okay, well, then what is his priestly work? Now, man, Johnny Cochran, I know a lot of us, if we got in trouble... Man, if he was still living and he was representing us, we feel like, man, if he can get O.J. off, <laughs> he can get me off. Hello. <laughs> but can you imagine if you had the ultimate lawyer advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, taking every request that you have and presenting it to the Father. So you're going to see prayer differently. It's not me. What I'm doing is requesting the Father. But Jesus takes the request, and then he begins to intercede to the Father on my behalf. Amen. And what he's doing is he's showing him the blood. He said, Father, we already paid for this. Because, I mean, if we came in there on our own merit, we're in trouble. But Jesus literally stands up, and I'm getting ready to show you this, from that mercy seat. And he takes our request, and he presents those to the Father. On our behalf. Let me show you what that looks like. Go with me to, uh, well, go to Hebrews chapter 1 first before I show you what that looks like. And it's so comforting for me to know that I'm being represented by Jesus and no one else. And he ever lives to do this means forever. All right. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's read verses 1 through 3. And so before I read that, so today at the right hand of God. You know, again, let me make sure you understand Old Testament and New Testament. So in the Old Testament, what the priests would do was they would get all the way to the mercy seat with the spotless blood of a lamb, bull, or goat. And they would seat that blood at the mercy seat, and then they would sit down. But then when it was time to make atonement on behalf of the sins of the people, which would cover them for one year, he would stand up and then present the blood to the Father on behalf of the people, okay? All right, so you need to understand that because Jesus didn't come to do away. He came to what? Fulfill. And so in his redemptive work, he's already completed our sin and our forgiveness. We are forever forgiven and forever clean, okay? And so that blood is seated at the right hand of uh, God the Father. It should go that way. Seated at the right hand of God the Father. But in his priestly work, what he is doing is waiting on instructions from us so that he can present those to the Father on our behalf to get work done in the earth. All right. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. God who at various or sundry times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, but he has in these last days spoken to us by his what? Whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, he, when he had himself purged or removed our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. All right? So now we confirm that he is sitting down, right? Now go with me to Acts chapter 7. But if you know Old Testament scriptures, on the Day of Atonement, let me see if you all understand this. On the Day of Atonement, 
What did the high priest have to do? The high priest had to stand up and present the, the spotless blood to the Father on behalf of the people. All right? So, our high priest, Jesus Christ, believe it or not, folks, he's trying to stand up on your behalf every single day. If you're coming to him the right way, okay? And he's trying to perform. See, the Day of Atonement rituals are once a year in the Old Testament. They're every day now. That's what makes it a better covenant. Okay, go with me to Acts chapter 7. Let me just save a little time, so I'll give you the backdrop in Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 6, we know that they were arguing over who was going to serve tables, right? And the men of God said it's not lawful that we should lead the word of God to serve tables. They said, choose ye out among you seven men full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost, wisdom, and power, right? Stephen was one of the men that they chose. And so in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is out preaching. Man, he's a deacon. But how many know deacons can preach too? Some deacons that can preach. Matter of fact, I went to a few churches, boy, they can pray too. Oh, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I want Heavenly Father. Some deacons that can pray, right? All right, but, but, but watch this. Now, Stephen preaches Jesus from Genesis to the book of Acts. And like anything else, the scribes and Pharisees knew he was referring to them. So it made them angry, okay? Well, let me show you something here. Let's read, pick the story up in verse 54. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. So when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, watch this, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, we just read he was seated. So then what made him stand up? He stood up because he knew he was getting ready to receive instruction. What you don't understand is every time you prepare your heart to go to the Father, Jesus stands up. What, you, what do you need me to do? How do we know that? Let's keep reading. I know you all know all this. Look at it in the Bible. It's going to change your life for the rest of your life. We've been preaching that. You know, you can get a real good preach off of that. Oh, Stephen, uh, he calls Jesus to stand up. No, that, that's not doctrinally what he's referring to here. What made Jesus stand up was Stephen is getting ready to make a request. And he ever lives in his priestly role to make intercessions. Okay, stay with me now. I'll prove it to you. Jesus standing at the right hand of God, so clearly he was seated in the mercy seat because he's still at the right hand, right? But, but when Peter gazed up into heaven, he stood up. Why was he standing up? He took his high priestly robe, waiting on instructions from Stephen so that he could carry him out. Okay, watch this. Let's keep reading. Standing at the right hand of God and said, look, this is Stephen, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried with a loud voice. They stopped their ears, and they ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul, who later became Paul, and they stoned Stephen as he was what? Calling on God. What is calling on God? Prayer. So what caused Jesus to stand up? It's Peter's prayer. Because in his high priestly role, 
he is responsible, I want you to listen to me, to not only hear that, but to make sure it gets executed. Okay. Now, stay with me just a few more minutes here. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Now, I'm getting ready to keep this 100. I mean, y'all, most of us, if you're throwing rocks at me, I'm throwing bricks back at you. Come on, let's just be honest. You slap me. Well, I'm going to haul off and try to knock skin off of your face before I act saved. But he's so full of the Holy Ghost, he's acting just like Jesus. Do you remember when Jesus was, right? What was he saying? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, and if you understood that most people that do stuff wrong with you, to you or you perceive that they do, they do it out of ignorance. And here you are taking it personal because you don't understand there's a higher court you can appeal to. Oh, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. You're wasting your time getting upset with people, talking about people. It's a waste of time and negative energy. Nothing anybody can do to you. Let me give you some more revelation here. Let me tell you what I believe. Most people, if you're being stoned that hard to the point where it kills you, you usually can't talk. So I'm going to tell you what I believe here. I believe he was acting so godly that he couldn't even feel the pain of the stones that were hitting him. I believe the stones were hitting him but he couldn't feel it. So much so that the scripture says, after he said that, he just fell asleep. Which gave me more revelation. We don't die, folks. Even if you get to this body, you didn't kill me. I kept on living. So God would have been unrighteous to say that they killed him why he fell asleep because everyone in here who's a true believer knows we don't die. We transition. We lay this body down but we keep on living. So can you imagine while being stoned you just curl up, put your hand on your arm and go to sleep. That's why I never get upset folks. My mother didn't die. She's just taking a long nap. And I'll see her again, man. And one day her spirit will come back and get her body. And, man, I'll meet her in the air. And so shall we forever be with the Lord. Man, I'm going to put my mama in a headlock and say, you should have stayed a little while longer, though. And just love on my mother. You don't understand what kind of love I have for my mother. There's no way you can even begin to try to put that in words, how much I love my mother can't wait to see her again. 
Okay, stay with me now. What caused Jesus to stand up? Re, 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 re. <laughs> what caused Jesus to stand up? Prayer. What role was Jesus operating in when he prayed? His role as our high priest, okay? How long is he doing that? Forever, right? So we really, folks, we should have Jesus doing this all day, every day. As soon as I thought I could sit down, they right back at it again. We should have him sitting up, getting down, sitting up, getting down, sitting up, getting down, standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting down all day long. And, folks, that's his job, and he loves to do it. All right, we're going to close right here with this thought. You all getting anything out of this today? So Christ the high priest stood in the heavenly temple to make intercession as Stephen was requesting forgiveness for his murder. I mean, that's the bigger person right there. See, instead of talking about people and thinking somebody did you wrong, why don't you pray for them and ask God to forgive them, even if you believe they did something wrong? Now I understand, folks. It took me two years to get here. Thank God I got here. Man, do you all understand how good Bishop Butler has been to me? Look at some of y'all scared. He said his name, Bishop Butler. I told you I'd be a free man. Does he know this is on SoundCloud? Yes, Bishop Butler. Nothing to be afraid of. Man, listen, he's been so good to me. Now I'm realizing all I can really see is how good he's been to me. I don't see anything negative anymore. I first processed negatively. Now all, all I can see is how good he's been to me. He just didn't realize what he was gifting to me when he gifted it. But now I do. You're missing all of that. I didn't get fired. I got promoted. You're missing it. You're missing it. Come on, somebody. I need five, at least ten people in here to just rejoice with me for a moment. I didn't get fired. I got lifted up. I was given the greatest opportunity ever known to me to start something on my own from the, not on my own, with God's help from the ground up. What a wonderful gift you can give somebody. You know why? Because I would have never done that on my own, Deacon Chesney. I would have never discovered the greatness that was on the inside of me had I not been afforded this opportunity to step out and do something that has never been done, at least as far as I know about. Hallelujah! 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 Sit down. Go to Daniel chapter 9. Takes a minute to grow up to realize that. And then sometimes the very people you think are trying to hurt you are really trying to bless you. You can't see it because of your negative disposition. 
and you're taking it all wrong, you're taking it all out of context, but it's really setting you up to be better than what you were even prior to that. Just depends on your disposition. But the opportunity is right in front of you to show your faith and demonstrate how much you trust God. Then he'll use the very people that you think, and they'll bless you. It's happened to me many a times over my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Daniel chapter 7. How many of y'all glad you came to church today? Can we just make the devil mad again for about 10 seconds? About 10 seconds. About 10 seconds. Give God your best hallelujah anyhow. Even when I don't feel like it, hallelujah. Give give him your best even though I don't feel like it, hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. So what you're going to learn is as we ascend this ladder of prayer, through our words we petition the Father in the name of Jesus, thereby we gain, listen to me, legal authority to go to the Father using Christ's authority. That's what makes it legal. It's because we go through him. This is the same throne that Daniel saw Thousands of years ago. Matter of fact, let's just read it. Go to Daniel chapter 7. He described it as the ancient of days. I want you to see what Daniel saw prophetically in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 and verse 10. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. He says, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow, with Jesus. And the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. Its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. What are those? Angels. Ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him. What are those? Angels. The court was seated and the books were open. Most people don't realize it, folks, but you have angels at your disposal. And what's going on in this heavenly courtroom is that as instructions are coming up, God, Jesus is presenting those to the Father, and then he's giving angels instructions on how to carry it out on your behalf. Depending on the nature of the request, sometimes it can take longer, sometimes it can be shorter. You all remember earlier in the chapter when Daniel prayed, uh, Gabriel came to him and said, I heard your prayer 21 days ago, but me and Michael got caught up in the air fighting. I mean, there's certain things that, that there are forces out there that are more real than this natural realm that will always try to fight against what God is trying, but they will never win. So delay Sometimes it just means it's a bigger something coming your way because the battle is so great to get it to you. A lot of people don't realize when you were born, there was an angel that was assigned to you. I'm still here today, folks, because angels have been protecting me. I believe that with all of my heart. I was on a plane yesterday, and we had a little bit of turbulence. A lady sitting next to me. I don't know if you saw her, slammed her window down. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. I said, calm down. He's already here. You don't have to call call him. He's already here. 
So then I had to bring her in. I whispered to her. I said, because me and you are on the plane, this plane has to land. Now, that's a true story. She wouldn't open that window back up. <laughs> she didn't never open that window back up the rest of that flight till we hit that ground uh, here in Atlanta. And she still didn't open it in. She's probably like, I believe I'm on the ground when I get off of this plane. But listen, folks, it wouldn't matter if a, man, listen, if a whole block blew up, my house would be the only one standing. Are you listening out there? All right, let me prove that. Well, let me say this statement, and I'm going to close with these two verses here. When we use the name of Jesus in prayer, we give Christ the authority to present our petitions at God's throne of decision. In return, the Father releases answers back to the earth through angelic messengers. Sometimes it'll come through tongues and interpretation of tongues. Sometimes God will use somebody. You ever had someone come to you and say, the Lord placed it on my heart to share something with you, and it just uplifted you? There are many different ways God will get the answer back to you, but I want to make you aware of your angels. Go with me to Psalms 91 real quick. And I've got more. I'm just going to read these two. And then next week, I'm going to show you this heavenly throne room is just like a courtroom that we see today. You've got an accuser in there trying to convince God why you don't deserve what you deserve, and he's accusing you night and day. We'll look at that next week. Psalms 91 says, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Look at what that says. No evil shall befall you. No terrorist attack. Hello, somebody. What's the name of this group? No ISIS. No, none of that. No evil will come near you. Why? Because you've made God your dwelling place. I mean, when you are in God, he's big enough to protect you from all hurt, harm, and danger. So he said, no evil shall befall you, and no plague, disease shall come near your dwelling. They're coming out with a new disease and a new name all day long. You need to, I wonder if they're all working together. You need to go get your mosquito shots Right away, because this virus is coming through mosquitoes, and they're on their way to Georgia. Let me tell you something. The moment that mosquito touches my arm, I won't die. The mosquito will die. Glory to God. Come on, somebody. We touch doors and handles, and we're around germs all day long, and none of that stuff ever bothers us. Why? Because he's given his angels charge over us, and no evil and no plague can come near us. You've got to have more faith in that than faith in that than you do the news. It's not coming near us. Why? For he shall give his angels charge over you. Watch this. To keep you in some of your ways. To keep you how? To keep you how? What's left after all? So when I drive to work, I'm kept. When I go on vacation, I'm kept. Come on, somebody. When I get on a plane, I'm kept. When I stay at a hotel, I'm kept. Stop talking about I don't stay on the 13th floor. What are you talking about? You go in high-end hotels, there's a 12th floor, and then there's a 14th floor. Well, where did the 13th floor go? Is it suspended in there? No, if you are on the 14th floor, you are on the 13th floor. They just took the numbers off of it. So when you stay in a hotel... He'll keep you in all your ways. 
I don't ride roller coasters. Why not? It's not going down if you're on it. You know why people don't ride roller coasters? Because they see themselves when they get to the top just flying right off the top. <laughs> I mean, even if it did fly off, an angel will come and swoop it up and just set it right on the ground. Come on, folks. Come on. Come on. Even if it happened while you were on there, some kind of miraculous way it's going to land on all tires. And the news will have to show that. They don't know how this happened. This thing fell 800 feet and landed straight, and nobody was injured. You can't afford, folks, to not think like that. Last one, and I'm going to close right here. Hebrews chapter 13. This one blesses me immensely. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. says, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing... Some have unwittingly or unknowingly entertained angels unaware. You don't know how God will send the answer to you. But if you judge the package, you might miss it. Sometimes they might be homeless but but have an answer for you or a gift for you. I'll share two stories with you. One, I was on a plane. I was a youth pastor here and in um, uh, Southfield. And I used to fly back and forth. And I can remember about the third year, I started getting tired. At first, it was fun. But then I started getting tired. I was staying in one city for three days, the other city for four days. And it just started wearing on me, staying in the same hotels. And, you know, just, you know, just gets nasty after a while and uh, gets old. And so... So much so I can remember I left my watch in the drawer. And uh, I stayed at this hotel so much they gave me the same room every time I came. Came back three days later and my watch was still in the drawer. I was like, this is, this is, getting, this is getting old right here. Boy. <laughs> they didn't even steal my watch. It was a Movado too. I was like, man, this, my watch stayed here. Uh, anyway, on this plane ride back from Atlanta to Detroit, I ended up being in a row where no one else was in the row but me, and I was tired from all the flying back and forth. There's a lady in the row on the other side, looked like a bag lady, smelled real bad, was dressed poorly. And I remember going to sleep, and uh, I pulled up the armrest, and I went to sleep on the uh, seat. When I woke up, she instantly started talking to me. Hi. And I said, hey, hi. And she started just asking general questions. Is Detroit your home? I said, it is. Is Detroit your home? She said, yeah, it's my home also. And we're just talking, just general talk. She never asked me if I was a minister, pastor, was I saved or any of that. True story, as, as God is my witness. I mean, may I fall out right now if anything about this is inaccurate because it's that far-fetched. So she uh, has this bag, uh, like a bag lady, this big old bag, and it's just a bunch of stuff in there. So the plane lands, gets to the gate, and she looks over. She reaches down in the bag, and she gives me this wad of money. And I mean, it's thousands of dollars. I want to say it was close to $10,000. This woman has never seen me before in her life. I've never seen her again to this day. She hands me, and she says these exact words, the Lord told me to give you this. She stands up, and and she literally walks through. You know, when you're on a plane, you have to wait for each row in front of you. So she didn't walk through the people. She just walked, and nobody stopped her. She just walked right through the people and off the plane. Now, how many of you know most of us, when we're on a plane, nobody's getting by us. (laughs) You're going to wait your turn, too. We're all going to the same place. Sit your butt down somewhere. <laughs> Calm your butt down before you hurt somebody in here. Sit down. Come on, am I right or wrong? We're going to put our foot up. Sit, your, sit down somewhere. <laughs> Nobody stopped this lady. She literally just right off the plane. 
Never seen that woman again. Never seen her since then. Only thing I believe is it was, it was twofold. I believe it was God's way of showing me he appreciated my willingness to do that. But also I had recently met who is now my wife. And the Lord had told me to save up $20,000. Uh, which later I realized was to pay her car note off her school loans. And to uh, <laughs> that's what he told me to do. I'm glad I was able to do it. I'm not saying that from a wrong place. I'm glad I was able to be a blessing to her. Uh, I wanted her to come to me free, if you all understand, owing no man nothing but the love. And then to buy her a new wardrobe, which was a dream of mine. I wanted to be able to dress her how I wanted her to look for me, all right, and not where she came from. And so I believe it was those reasons. Then another time, and it take my wife, she was crying just uncontrollably in the first service because this, both, this had my hands shaking and it had goosebumps going up both our arms. When I was a college student, I was 19, 18, 19 years old, I just played, in my opinion, one of the best games of my life. I come out to the gym the next day and there's this Caucasian man standing there. And he introduces himself. He says, I'm Bill Mass. He said, um, what's your name? I said, I'm Joel Gregory. He said, do you understand how you're leading people? I said, did you come to the game last night? What are you talking about, how I'm, how I'm leading people? I'm, I'm 18, you got to understand. I'm not saved, so I'm cocky, all kind of stuff, from Detroit, Michigan. And, and he says to me, now you got to understand, only God could have showed him something like this. If you attack my manhood, you were going to get a reaction out of me, even at 18 or 19. He says to me, if you're man enough, then I want you to meet me over at your dorm three days a week, and let's study the Bible together, and let's define manhood by the Bible. Well, I immediately raised up and was like, I'll be there. <laughs> but with that kind of attitude. And this man for six weeks, for 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes or so, shared the word of God with me. Watch this. The last time we walked out of my dorm and he walked off into a, a field and he just kept walking. And I've never seen him again. I've Googled his name. This man doesn't exist. Wow. 20 years later, through Facebook, my college teammate, Anthony Robinson, reaches out to me. We exchange numbers. He gives me a call. He begins to share with me that he used to uh, eat dinner and was mentored by a man by the name of Bill Mass for six weeks. And that he had a wife and three children. I said he used to come to the dorm and, and talk to me for six weeks, three days a week. And he said, man, he had a wife and three kids. I said, I never met a wife or kids. And he said, man... He called me Joe. He said, Joe, I went back over there about, about a month or two later just to thank him. And when I walked up on the porch, there were cobwebs everywhere. And the neighbor came running out the house next door. What are you doing on that porch? No one's lived in this house in eight years. And ran him off. And he said he's never seen or heard from this guy again. Today, I pastor a church in Atlanta, Georgia. He pastors a church in Akron, Ohio. We couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe it. So I'm going to bring him here to do something for us, for the men's uh, ministry here. Uh, I'm going to bring him here, but, but I believe in both of those cases, those were angels. One was to lead me to Christ. The other one was after I was saved, just to be a blessing to me. You don't know who you're talking to. Don't judge people and don't look down on people. Because it could be an angel that you're entertaining and you're just not aware of it. Because they are a big part to God answering your prayers. Did you get anything out of this today?
Come on, let's lift our hands to the Father. We'll pick right back up here on next week. I'm just going to take my time. I personally believe it's some of the most important information I've ever shared at this church in my life. Next week, we're going to actually look at that heavenly throne room, which is actually set up like a court, and what's happening every time we go to God in prayer. I mean, you know, that's why we have to put on the whole armor of God. We are in warfare, folks. You're going to see all of this activity going on, thundering and lightning. It's a real battle going on between the enemy trying to stop what God's trying to do in your life. He knows he can't stop it, but he still puts up the effort anyway. And our ability to stay with something all the way through until it manifests. Lift your hands to the Father. Thank God for what you heard today. Whatever part of it ministered to your heart and to your life today, just thank God for it. Father, I know for me, it is just comforting to know, Father, that no man can condemn me because I have a revelation that you haven't condemned me. And if you haven't condemned me, then I'm sure not going to let anyone on this earth condemn me. And so, Father, I thank you for the gift of no condemnation. I thank you that I'm forever forgiven Forever perfected, not because of anything that I've done, but because of what your son did through his death, burial, and resurrection. And Father, that gives me so much confidence to come to you in prayer, knowing that I don't have to use my authority or my character doesn't have to be at some high level. I've just got to go in the authority and character of what Jesus has already provided. And Jesus, thank you for taking my prayers and presenting them to the Father on my behalf. So that the Father doesn't see me, he sees you and the price that you prayed for me. And ministering angels, I know that you hearken unto the voice of his word. And so every time I speak his word, then I give voice to the word of God. And you carry it out. Thank you for all of my angels that are present with me even now. Thank you for all that you've done to get me to this point. For everything that you'll continue to do to get me to my next level. Hallelujah. Well, if you're in this building today and you don't know Jesus Christ, look up here at me for a moment. You don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I want to pray with and for you today. I want to embarrass you. The only thing I want to do is love on you today. I want to bring you into the greatest family ever known to man, the family of God. All you've got to do is confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that God raised him from the grave. You can be born again today. Secondarily, if you're already born again but you've gotten out,